Hi, this is Teresa Kariakis coming to you from the Pantheon Podcast Network. I'm on The Devil's Music with Pleasant Gaven. Pantheon Podcast presents from Hollywood, California, The Devil's Music with Pleasant Gaiman. You are invited to join the Hollywood princess as she explores her lifelong pursuits in the occult, sex, love, and that sinful rock and roll. Ladies and gentlemen, step into the dark parlor of Pleasant Gaiman as she brings you the devil's music. Hi, I'm Pleasant Gaiman, and welcome to The Devil's Music, a Pantheon podcast. As the devil himself apparently once said via the Rolling Stones, please allow me to introduce myself. I'm a rock and roll witch from Hollywood, California. My obsession with music and the occult started at the age of 12 and is still going strong. During the 70s, I was one of the first punks in Los Angeles. I worked at the Whiskey A Go-Go and had a Xerox fanzine called Lobotomy, which led me to writing a rock and roll gossip column in the LA Weekly, which in turn led me to writing for every major rock publication you could think of. In the 80s through the 90s, I fronted three bands. I'm a best-selling author with eight books out and more on the way. For the past 30 years, I've been a professional dancer who's toured around the globe teaching and performing, and you've probably seen me dancing in a number of music videos, feature films, and documentaries. I'm also an actor with several film credits. Find out more about me at PleasantGaiman.com. I'm really excited to be a part of the Pantheon Podcast Network of rock and roll shows. Everyone at Pantheon tells spectacular stories about the music we love so much, each one with a different twist. Find them all at PantheonPodcast.com, as well as on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Radio.com, Pandora, hell, I just had to say that, anywhere you listen to your favorite podcasts. If you like what we're doing here, head on over to PantheonPodcast.com and share a show with a friend, or I'll put a spell on you. Kidding. This is Pleasant Gaiman, and you're listening to The Devil's Music, a Pantheon podcast. Today, my guest is the wonderful Judica Illis. She's a prolific author, 
a tarot reader for years and years, a certified aromatherapist, a teacher. Her writing and her books cover everything you could think of that has to do with magic and spell work, the paranormal, myths, legends, gods and goddesses. In fact, she, she herself is such a legend that um, in witchy circles, no woo-woo house should be without her encyclopedia of 5,000 spells or almost any of her other books. And she has a brand new book out now called Daily Magic. It's on HarperCollins 1, Harper 1. I'm, I'm insane right now. And um, I know you guys will forgive me. But her new book, Daily Magic, I haven't read it yet. I can't wait to. Maybe she'll give us one of the things we can do on the air. Here she is, Judica Ellis. Hi. Hi. <laughs> I'm so happy to be here. I am too. Those, uh, I'm really glad that you're here too. We, we booked this episode to be on Friday the 13th and we've had the most insane luck that you could imagine trying to get it together. So here we are not on the Friday the 13th, channeling Friday the 13th vibes. The third time was the charm. Yes, that's always true. Um, so I've got so many questions for you since we don't know each other in, in real life and I've only worshiped you from afar for a long time. Anyway, for anyone that's listening, the way that that we actually got in touch was, I was kind of like semi-covertly stalking <laughs> Judica's Twitter. And like every post had something to do with like, like the Ronettes or some kind of good rock and roll or something. And I was like, wow, I didn't know that she was into it. I didn't, I had no idea you were into that. Oh yeah. No, I mean, way back, way back when, when if you had asked me when I was young, you know, writing is my skilled labor, but I thought I'd be writing about music. I didn't think I'd be writing about witchcraft. Wow, for uh, real? That's crazy. No, no, seriously. You know, people always ask me, oh, you know, which authors influenced you? And they think I'm going to discuss all these old witchcraft authors, but it's really the old rock and roll journalists. They're the ones who taught me how to write, you know, because they wrote with their passion. So, you know. Yeah, the writers of the 70s, the 80s, those are... Like Cream Magazine. Yeah, oh, yeah. I, yeah, yeah. Every issue. Me too. Yeah. Wow, that is so cool. So um, what I got to say about um, one of the things that I found out that you wrote about um, that I had no idea of, I only knew about the witchy stuff, was I didn't know that you wrote so extensively on Egypt and... Um, Egypt in history and stuff. Tell, tell yeah. me, tell me, and everyone listening about that. That was actually when I was I was living in LA. I was living in North Hollywood at that time, and I I answered an ad. I I was not a published author yet, but I answered an ad. I mean, those are two things about me. My my influence, my interest in metaphysics and magic and witchcraft. That's one thing about me. And the fact that I can write is another thing about me. That's like my skilled labor. Uh, they, they just happen to come together. But, you know, the magic and the esoteric knowledge, that's been with me forever. And um, I saw an ad looking for someone who wanted to, um, they were looking for writers to write about Egypt. And it turned out to be Tour Egypt magazine, which was the English language magazine of the uh, Ministry of Egypt. So it was actually a government run magazine 
And I had just gotten my certification in aromatherapy. Wow. And the history of aroma, you know, modern aromatherapy, it's all France. But if you go back, if you trace its roots back, that's how they were embalming the mummies. It's, it's you know, they weren't using that language. They weren't calling it aromatherapy, <laughs> but it's the essential oils. It's, you know, you, you can recognize it. So I, I came up with a column called the Beauty, Sec Beauty Secrets of Ancient Egypt or something like that, Beauty Secrets of the Ancient Egyptians. If you Google it, it'll, it'll come up, but you know, it's the government. It's the Egyptian government. So I gave them my official name. You know, my legal name is Judith. Judica is the um, Hungarian nickname for Judith. And so if um, you have to Google it with the right name or it won't come up. But I, I wrote a column for them for a while, all sorts of stuff, um, you know, from the eye makeup to, you know, basically, you know, focused on, on beauty. And at one point I, I had hoped to, um, I had hoped to write a book um, on Cleopatra uh, a, a beauty book on Cleopatra, but, um, you know, that's, you know, I have all these books in my head and that's one of the ones that, you know, hasn't panned out yet. Wow. That, I mean, okay. So the, the, I don't know if you know this about me, you may or may not. Um, and some of the people listening to might, but some others might not. I I've been a professional belly dancer for 32 years. No, because I was <laughs> talking to you too. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> the mutual stockings. You're like, you're, like, you're, like, you're like my sister from another mother. <laughs> if you, I mean, if you had asked me when I was five, what did I want to be? I would have wanted to be a belly dancer. It just didn't work out that way. Me too. I wanted to do that, but I didn't. Okay. So I'll tell, I'll tell you this story and I'll make it short. All I wanted to do was dance. And my father used to write for National Geographic. So he was all over the place. And there was this um, story about Istanbul and there was there was a picture that was about the size of like two postage stamps put together of this belly dancer with sparkles and stuff and I, I just looked at it and I used to keep stuff in a shoebox all my favorite yeah. like pictures that you could <laughs> cut out which would have been like Pinterest nowadays <laughs> when I was five in the early mechanical Pinterest right me too <laughs> <laughs> shoebox Pinterest but I carried that damn photo or you know cut out photo with me in my wallet until way after I was an adult but I finally got my mom who'd been a singer and dancer to to take you know take me to go and get dance lessons and this was in a tiny little New England studio that was like the size of the shoebox I was keeping the photo in and um the lady took a look at my feet and said oh she has flat feet she'll never be a dancer right in front of me so I cried myself to sleep and I started, you know, I was putting on, yeah, it was terrible. I was putting on shows in the, in the I mean, living room. That's that too. Oh, that's awful. Yeah. But anyhow, so I was always dancing when I had bands. I was dancing on stage, like an aerobic set of dance for 45 minutes while singing. And like, I've, so I was at this rock club one night and this chick asked me if I was a belly dancer. And I said, no, why do you ask? And she said, you move like one. And then I asked if she was a, a belly dancer and she said, yes. Yeah. So I begged her to teach me. Then somebody gave me a ticket to Greece. Um, and so I immediately like called the airline, quit my, my um, job that was like proofreading for the Hollywood Reporter and just like added on Egypt and took off for Egypt. And oh, so wow. that, that was when I was 30. And then 
I'd already been like taking lessons at that point, you know, because I met some belly dancers through that girl. And then when I came back, because I had a costume, I just started working in it. Just, I never thought that I would like have toured the world doing it and gone to Egypt like every year and done all this. That's incredible. Yeah, it was insane. But also when you might, you might like this, when I, when I first got off the plane in Cairo, you had to walk down, um, like, you know, one of those little gangplank things. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And the second my feet touched the tarmac, I, I burst into tears. And and I feel like it was a past life thing or something, you know? Because Definitely. I was obsessed with that. Anyway, yeah. So I've had a lot of weird shit like that. Did you ever read, um, it's a Marie Corelli novel, Ziska? No, but C-I-S-K-A? it's familiar to me. It's, um, you know, it, it's like a Victorian room, because I love a reincarnation story. It's a reincarnation romance that takes place in Egypt. And I think it's vaguely based on Am Sati, you know, who, you know, you know, was able to reunite with her pharaoh centuries later. And um, I read that, you know, we just, I, I read very young. My mother taught herself English by teaching me how to read. So I was, you know, I, I lived in a family of adults. I was the only child. Even my sister's 12 years older than I am. So they, I just read everything. And we somehow we had that book hanging around. And I must have read it. I mean, you know, no one explained anything to me. Like, no one would explain, like, a sex scene to me. But they wouldn't stop me from reading it. They would just, you know, however, you know. So I must have read that. I read that, when, you know, when we were in Queens. I must have been, like, six or seven years old. And that was such a huge impact on me. I just, you know wanted to like you know move into the pyramids and you know await my long lost you know centuries all love too <laughs> yeah <laughs> you ain't gonna find that on tinder no <laughs> uh -uh. <laughs> um, do you um do you know that um i i found this out pretty recently like that that when they used to make the sarcophaguses in egypt you know how there's always those eyes painted on the side yeah. Um, do you know what that's for? Tell me. Okay. Someone, someone in Egypt told me this. Um, who was an Egyptologist, not not just someone on the street. That um, when after you know after they've gone into the afterlife, when they're ready to wake up, they're laying all mummified in their sarcophagus, and then when when they feel the awakening, they turn to the side, and so that's <gasps> what. And the eyes are like. On the side. On the side. So that then they right. can see out of the coffin and find out where to go. Oh, wow. Oh, I love that. Well, those are like the eyes on the boats in Italy. Yeah. You know, you know, because the, the boats need to see where they're going. I know. I, lo I love that. Yeah. I wanted to get eyes tattooed on the palms of my hands for years. Yeah. For decades. But every tattoo artist I've gone to, and most of them have been friends, they're like, um, they'll wear off really fast, you know, because your mm. palms shed so much. I have unks. I'm wearing unk earrings. I see that. <laughs> wearing big golden unk earrings. See, we're definitely like sisters, and maybe we were sisters in a in a previous life. In ancient Egypt, who knows? <laughs> yeah, full on. I'm sure. Um, do you have you ever had like a past life regression? Um, I have not had a formal regression. I have had sort of visionary experiences that um, 
I mean, it's really interesting because a lot of spontaneous past life experiences, memories that people have, and I'm no exception, tend to be last moments. And um, they are often not pleasant. But the interesting thing for me was for a long time, and I, I mean, I shocked myself with this because I feel like I've had a lot of incarnations in this lifetime. I used to be really, really afraid of fire. And I, you know, I, I'm a water sign. I have a lot of, I have a heavily watery chart, astrological chart, but I was very afraid of fire to the point where, you know, we had a stove with the pilot light. And if that pilot went out, you should have seen me. I, I had to have like, you know, uh, fireplace matches and I mean, all these permutations I would go through. I mean, I just wouldn't eat, you know, because I, I couldn't turn that stove back on. And it was very crippling and um, very hard because if you are practicing witchcraft, especially if you come from New York, it's all candle magic. And yeah. so this was, this is a disability for me. Um, yeah. It was, it was a problem. So and this was for, and I, and I cannot tell you where it came from. It was just so stressful and it was for years. And then one night I had this past life memory. And when I have them, I have, you know, they're very distinct. Like I know, you know, I, I recognize what they are. It's almost like a lucid dream. And it had to do with, you know, with, you know, death by fire. And within um, a couple days of having that visionary experience, I no longer had that fear. That fear just went away. It dissipated by itself. And now, you know, I teach candle magic classes and I, I, I'm just pinching out those flames with my bare fingers. And it, it shocks me sometimes. Like, like you look at yourself and you go, well, you know, how did I get here? That, that's pretty good. I had, a, I, had a, um, I, I had some fire stuff going on that I think was past life because this also happened when I was so small. Yeah. The, the first thing was like a psychic flash. <clears throat> this was in upstate New York. I was sitting in my little playroom facing away from the direction where this th thing happened. But I went running into the, the kitchen screaming to my mother that our barn was on fire. And, um, and I was crying and screaming and she went outside and it was on fire, but I was on the opposite end of the house. And I was like, oh, wow. and um, then the other thing was a, a few years later, um, still in the sixties, I saw Camelot when it first came out. And, and when, yeah. when Queen Guinevere got burned at the stake, I was, I got goosebumps all over the place, which I mean, obviously it was a movie, you know, and, and yeah. I was little, but then, um, my mom was into show tunes, so she had the soundtrack of it. I would play that song over and over and over and over and just imagine like burning. So this wasn't even me as like a teenage goth or something like, you know, hoping no. that I had a witchy lineage. The child. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I've never had a, like a real formal regression. I would like to one day. Yeah, I haven't had that either. What yeah. about Akashic Records? Have you had that done? No, no. Have you? Me neither. No. We're, no. <laughs> we're bad witches. <laughs> we, I've been busy. I think you have too. <laughs> but I swear to, like, every time I'm talking to someone I know that's a practicing witch, like, I'll be like, the, the full moon, um, 
like next Friday or something, and they'll be like, oh shit, it's next Friday. I suck. Or or like that happens to me all the time. I forget like all that that stuff until like, I, I find that, you know, since I've been writing books, I, I feel like sometimes like I, I, I'm, I'm doing the work for other people so they'll do it and I'm just sitting there typing away. <laughs> <laughs> I almost just spit water all over the microphone, but it wasn't on fire. <laughs> Let, let's take a little break for some music and we'll be ready. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once, new quick charge function, three customizable sound styles, plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Like that. <laughs> they call me the voodoo woman, and I know the reason why. They call me the voodoo woman, and I know. we're back and I'm with Judica Illis and we're having a wonderful conversation so far that could probably go on for hours. Um, okay. So tell, tell me and everyone who's listening about your new book, um, Daily Magic. Oh, Daily Magic. It's a perpetual calendar. It's not a wheel of the year. It's, it's a, it's a Western calendar, January 1st, December 31st includes the leap day. Um, and but perpetual, it means like it's not a calendar you have to buy every year. It's a calendar that, y- you know, you can use as long as, you know, it's a book that we can use as long as we're using this calendar. And very much like what you were saying about the moon, I, I lose track of time. I, I have, you know, maybe a little bit of a chaotic life and I'm busy and 
I mean to do things like I mean, like I know like someone's birthday is, I don't know, you know, August 25th. And I know that, you know, the equinox will be September 22. And I know these things in my head and I have all these plans. And then I look at the calendar when I'm ready to do them. And it's like October 1st (laughs) and I've missed everything. And so I found that by writing things down, and this was a progression, and I describe it in the book. It was a progression from writing in calendars to writing in notebooks to, you, you know, just I, I would create calendars for myself. Uh, I describe it a, in in the book as as a as the love child of um, a, of a day planner and a book of shadows. I, I found oh, that if I wait, <laughs> yeah. You know, I found that if I wrote it down, it grounded me and I would remember to do stuff. And I, you know, all my poor neglected social media, the last year, like the pandemic for me, accelerated work. You know, I know. Me too. Me too. Yeah. I had more. I, I, you know, it just, it just kept, and some of it is, is amazing work. And I was so grateful to have it, but it was just so much. And, you know, all the deadlines came at once. So, you know, my poor social media, I would post, oh, you know, tonight is, you know, you know, the feast day of this goddess or a saint or it's this holiday. And all these people would message me. All of a sudden, I would have 50 messages that I couldn't physically answer all of them. And they're all, yeah, you know, I want to do something tonight. But it was like already dark out. And if you don't, if you don't have, I mean, we can always, we can always, you know, do something. We can have silent and personal rituals, but if you want to have an organized thing with candles and this is what you're supposed to be doing and this is where you're supposed to be, you know, if you haven't start, if you haven't planned it already, it's, it's, you don't have the supplies. So I realized other people needed this kind of a thing too. And so I just started writing, writing stuff down. Uh, there's a lot of outtakes for the book, which, you know, hopefully will become social media posts because, you know, the publishers always tame me. I write these big, crazy books and then they, 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 they kind of, you know, they, they, they put me in order, but um, yeah. And it's about thinking about time, you know, time is a magical ingredient. Time is look, we had to do this three times before we got this right. And this was the right time, you know? Um, so ha- being someplace at the right time, it, it's, it's sort of actively working with time rather than having time as just background. I feel like, I feel like um, being in the right place at the right time like that is, it's just absolute magic. It's synchronicity. Yes. 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 That's happened to me so many times, like just yes. in insane ways. And that's like, there's a lot of that kind of stuff in my book that's coming out in Halloween season, Rock and Roll Witch. But there's a lot of that in my other books too, because I cannot believe how many just fortuitous experiences I've had, like where you just meet someone or you happen to like walk a different way down the street or something, so, you know what I mean? Right. I mean, to the point where I could go all Rain Man on it and say like, did I get a flat tire because I wanted to wear the silver high heels and not the red one? You know? <laughs> no, 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 but it's true. It's true. Or you're just, you know, uh, this is a little depressing, but I think about this. This is, I was working, I, I managed a small 
it, it, it was a, a travel, it was a little corporate boutique travel agency. So this is about 1988 in New York. And there was this news story about this, you know, and 88 in New York City was a terrible time. It was just, you know, people were, people were getting mugged in front of you in broad daylight, right and left. And there was this young woman, I mean, she was like in her 20s and she was near Columbia University and a brick fell out of a wall and hit her on the head and she died. And it's always stayed with me because she had to be there at exactly the right moment. Because think, if, if she had seen, like if she'd been a little bit more scared, if she had seen someone who she thought was stalking her, maybe she would have walked a little bit faster and it wouldn't have happened. Or maybe if she had, you know, stopped to tie her shoelace, she would have been a little slower and it wouldn't have happened. But it was right, she was at that spot at that moment and that brick ha happened to fall and hit her in the right spot. And that was it. And that's always sort of haunted me. Yeah, that's, that's, that's insane. I, I think of that when I hear, I'm not exactly that kind of yeah. thing, but if I hear that there's like, you know, some insane car accident or something like that, that if that person would have like, you know, like gotten something at a drive-through or, um, you right. know, wasn't going at a certain speed or, you know, like just all of that stuff, what leads up to like those catastrophic experiences that the the ones that you can't like anticipate you know what i mean like just like my astrologer you know who's no longer with us uh last he, he was in well he died after leaving west hollywood but um he um you know he used to give me i, I used to go for readings and he would give me days to either just don't speak to anyone, don't answer your phone or don't go out. And I always took him very seriously because, you know, maybe that was just a day I shouldn't be walking around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have an astrologer and he, the um, last, um, a few months ago, he told me um, that I, I needed to get, um, he said that I should do something to change my appearance on summer solstice of, um, of 2020 and I started laughing and he's like what's so funny I'm serious and I said I have a tattoo appointment booked for that day oh wow oh yeah. wow that's amazing yeah. I like when people tell me things like that because or even when I'm reading for someone if I tell them something I mean that I couldn't know but they are they're already doing I feel that that's a real affirmation that we're doing the right thing yeah, you know, if a stranger tells you, "Oh, you should be doing this," and you say, "Well, yes," well, you know, I have a tattoo appointment. Um, that's that's the affirmation that that's where you should be. Yeah, I I, I gave someone a reading um, a little while ago, and I've never said anything like this before. Like this was this was a typed reading, and I said, um, "Like, look for you need to you need to watch out for messages of spirits, um, you know, coming from spirits like." And I said, particularly a penny or a white feather. And I had sent on the meeting and five minutes after I sent it, she emailed me back and said that she, she um, was walking to her car from work. And when she got in, she's like, oh, cool. Um, my reading came in and she just stopped in the parking lot and she read it. And then when she got to her car, there was like 
a penny on the ground and a white feather on the hood of her car. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, wow. That blew my mind. That's great. I love that. So, um, well, that's so an affirmation for you, too, I think, you know, as readers, you know, because, you know, people don't, you know, as readers, we have to take risks. I, I used to be, um, I used to work psychic hotlines, you know. I was just going to ask you. <laughs> um, so, you know, we take risks, you know, you, you, you have to go out on a limb and say, this is what I see. And sometimes, you know, people are, are very open. I've, I've had people, you know, hang up and, and you feel, oh, I said the wrong thing or this is, you know, and then later they'll tell you I hung up because you shocked me because it was accurate or because I didn't want to hear it. But, you know, there's a real bravery with being an authentic reader. Yeah, you have to, you have to say, say stuff, um, but I mean, yeah. You also have to, I also think there's a huge responsibility of, of saying, yes, delivering bad news or weird news. Like you have to be Good as ways. delicate as possible, yes. but still get the point. You of have that. to be a diplomat. Yeah. Yeah. Because you have to, you have to uplift people even when you're delivering unhappy news. And, you know, and I think you always have to find, you have to find solutions for people in difficult was, situations. Yeah, I was just going to say, Ex like, you've got to give them strategies. or ideas. Yes, yes. Yeah. and to empower them rather than then have them, them be in fear. In despair, yeah. And if you're listening, that's what your reader should do for you. You should feel empowered afterwards and that you have possibilities and not feel like, okay, you know, I may as well just hide under the bed now. My life is over. Yeah, some 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 readers are very are really really good at that, but other readers yeah. are um are not. Um, I'm not to besmirch anyone's practice, but um, you know, it's just I used to. Okay, so I used to as a hobby, <laughs> I used to go to storefront fortune tellers all the time. Yeah, mostly because I wanted to see like the decorations in their house. Sometimes, you know. <laughs> 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 like plastic Virgin Marys and like real, you know, like own paintings sure. or like, you know, like vinyl, clear vinyl covering, like brocade ornate couches. <laughs> I was really into that. But then I wanted to hear what they said and how they said it. And this, this started even before you could make voice recordings or ask permission if you could do a voice recording. I just wanted to, I was so obsessed with that. Yeah. Like, my whole life. Um, so working, you worked on this, um, psychic hotlines in like the nineties, the early nineties, right? So, yeah. When they were hot. They, yeah. When they were just like coming out, like nine, seven, six numbers or psychic hotlines. I worked, um, when I moved to Los Angeles, I, I, that's when I started working on the psychic hotlines. And I remember there was one that was, it was so busy. So if, for those who've never done this, in order to, you know, to sign on, you've got to punch a couple numbers into your phone and then the calls start coming in. And when you're ready, you know, if you want to take a break or when you're ready to leave, you punch some more numbers into your phone and then you can hang up. And I would do, I would do the graveyard shift. I would start at 10 p.m. 
and I would read till about one. I was scheduled to go till about one in the morning, but the call, it was like boot camp. The calls just kept coming in one after the other, after the other, after the other. And it was so busy that sometimes I didn't have a chance to punch the numbers into the phone to, to get out. So, I mean, I would just stay, I would stay on the phones till like five in the morning just because the calls just kept coming. It, it was pretty incredible. Wow, that's wild. I liked it though, because I, you know, because I've always read only on referral. So everybody sort of knows each other. And, but when you're on the psychic hotline, the calls were coming from everywhere and, you know, all different kinds of people in different circumstances. Um, and because I did the graveyard shift, sometimes they were genuine calls looking for readings, but a lot of times it was people who, you know, had a bad dream. People, it's, it's three in the morning, three in the morning, and you've had a bad dream and you're alone and you don't know who to call. So you call, you know, one nine hundred psychic. You know, um, I, I'd get truck drivers who just, you know, wanted to speak to women, not even like, you know, not sex calls. They just wanted, you know, to hear a woman's voice. And I got a lot of those calls too. It was, it, it was, um, it was really my boot camp. I, I went from, um, th that's really what made me a confident reader. Yeah. I mean, that's an experience. And then just with that variety of people, that's yeah. incredible. Yeah. Um, so what, what do you think is like one of the weirdest readings you've ever done? Do you have any stories about wild readings? I, you know, I, I, I have a Scorpio moon and I keep my mouth shut. I, oh, okay. I guard, I guard people's privacy, privacy, like intensely. I, I, I don't, I had a bounty hunter. I, I think that was, you know, I, that Isn't was pretty intense. No, I'm just kidding. I had a bounty hunter and, you know, we discussed, you know, who he was going after first. So wow. um, I'll tell you what was interesting is that for the first couple months, almost, I won't say all the calls, but a lot of the calls, all, uh, you know, maybe 90% of the calls were um, women who wanted to know if their ex was coming back. Yeah. And in the beginning, I, I, I just, you know, I just answered the question, you know, I, I, I pull some cards. Yes. Coming back. No, not coming back. And it was very straightforward, but after a while, there were so many of these calls and, and, and they'd start telling me their stories. Is he coming back? And sometimes they were afraid he was, you know? Um, sometimes they wanted the guy to come back, but sometimes they were afraid he was coming back or sometimes they wanted him to come back, but he had, you know, beaten them repeatedly. He had hospitalized, you know, molested their children, and, but, but is he coming back? Um, and, and that, that made me a lot more thoughtful and i really i it taught me to, because i come from a background where you don't ask questions you know everybody's got a story and you don't really ask and so after a while i i learned to start asking questions it really sort of liberated me you know what why do you want this person back you know and I wasn't in a great relationship myself at that point. So it really made me think, you know, there are good relationships, there are bad relationships. And then there's a third option. There's no relationship. And sometimes, you know, you know, 
no relationship can be better than a bad relationship. So it was, it was, um, it was very educational for me. And, you know, I, I know there's sort of a lot of mockery over, you know, but I, I, the psychics I knew who were working, they auditioned me like three times. They actually, it's the only job I've ever had where they actually check my references. Um, so, you know, they were very authentic people and who were trying to be helpful for other people. And, you know, we get a bad rap a lot. Oh, yeah. As, you know. You know, everybody assumes we're like exploitative charlatans. And in, in fact, that's, and I'm not saying those people don't exist, but maybe they're not, they're also maybe not real psychics, you know, um, there, there are fake physicians and fake pharmacists, but that doesn't, you know, I mean, we're held to sort of an unrealistic standard, I think. Yeah. I, yeah. You know, when, when I was, when I was young, I would have lots of psychic flashes, but I never thought I was a air quotes, real psychic because I couldn't just turn it on and off. Right. I, th I thought that like you had to just have it 24 seven and you could just know someone or something. And then there was so many things that. that I didn't yeah. realize were, were psychic either. You know, like, like even when I was small, I would look at pictures in like some magazine or something of a movie star and be like, that person's really nice. Or like, I, I don't like that person. They're, they're, they're mean or something. Yeah. Like, I didn't, it took me so long to figure a lot of that stuff out. You know, it was really, it was really weird. You know? Well, it's also, I think the expectations that people have, people come to consult you and they don't really want a psychic or a card reader. What they want is a mind reader. Tell me what I'm thinking. You know, I, I can't do that. I mean, oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, once in a while I can, and then they get mad at me, but, you know, but, but usually I can't, or, you know, what did I have for lunch today? Or, you know, what number is my driver's license? I, I, I mean, I don't know, you know, you already yeah. know that. Uh, what difference does it make if I know? But, yeah, I know that. Yeah. That's the, the, the testing stuff. Like yeah. I, I, had, I had one lady that called me um, for a reading and the, this was through um, one of the stores that I work for, you know, cause I do private readings also. And um, she she was getting so bitchy. She 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 started out in a bad mood, and I was like, okay, I'm just. This was like right in the beginning of pandemic, and I was like, okay, I'm just not gonna let this phase me, whatever. And then she said to me, "What are you just sitting around the house flipping some cards or something?" And I said, "Yeah, we're in a lockdown. What do you think?" I just like couldn't help it. It just <laughs> fell out of my mouth. That's pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> She's psychic too. <laughs> yeah, I should have said that. I was, I was, I was proud of myself for not cursing. <laughs> We've been so good. <laughs> I know we have been good. Should we? Should we have a Tourette's moment? No. <laughs> let's let's take a break for some music so we can cuss off air for a minute, and I'll be right back with Judica Ellis. <laughs>
<laughs> hey, I didn't, I didn't cause, did you? No. I know we're being so good. Damn. That, that was the worst I could muster at this point. <laughs> Let's see, what else did I want to, oh, I know what I want to ask you, some non-psychic-y witchy stuff for a minute, but maybe it's, um, maybe there is some witchy, witchy shit going on with it. Um, tell me about like your favorite concert or the first concert you ever went to. The first concert, probably, I mean, I, no one thinks this counts. You know, my sister took me to see the Preservation Hall Jazz Band when I was like 10, but no one thinks that counts. <laughs> um, That's embarrassing. I'll tell you mention that on my show. No. <laughs> 1978, Van Morrison. Um, I was at Rutgers College and he was touring. It was the Wavelength album. And I went to buy tickets and there were like, you know, these seniors selling the, t- I was a freshman and there were these seniors selling the tickets and they were all, you know, they were like, curmudgeonly old people oh you know the young people don't know anything and then i came up and i wanted to buy a ticket and they were so impressed they gave me like front row seats <laughs> ah, that's good yeah he was great I, I i saw a lot of people i saw i saw Iggy pop i saw blondie they had a you know i i saw a lot i used to go out and see music all the time yeah it's a, it's a shame how many i, I miss that it's so sad how many music venues all over the place closed from the pandemic. I mean, like really like landmarky places. It was so sad. Yeah. But you know, all these places in New York where I used to go, all these clubs that, you know, the bottom line and, and uh, Oh God, you know, so many, um, they all closed even before the pandemic. Oh, I know. I mean, like CBGB's Very and John CBGB's. Oh, I was at Newark Airport. They have like a CBGB's restaurant. It's like really depressing. That's They're like, sad. you know, it, 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 it's like, you know, I, because, you know, I remember. Me too. Um, now it's like, uh, now, you know, you can buy an expensive jacket and get a, you know, overpriced hamburger at the airport. <laughs> so. <laughs> Do they, do they have the authentic, like, Doberman Pinscher shit all over the floor? <laughs> For anybody that's not listening, at CBGB's back in the day, like, in the 70s in New York, I used to be um, bi-coastal, but on a Greyhound bus going back and forth to, you know, <laughs> staying in yeah. New York and stuff. Um, if you dropped anything under, um, like, a $20 bill, not like me or anyone I knew would have one in those days, because that was a shit ton of money, but... Um, like yeah. if you dropped any kind of money, no matter how broke you were, if you dropped it at CBGB's, you wouldn't pick it up off the park because there was so much dog poop all over it because Hilly, Hilly had the Dobermans. Yeah, you know, they're just, it's all branding. It's It was just like the logo, the CBGB's logo. Yeah. That's a, you know. Yeah. Wow. Um, yeah. So you used to go to those, did you ever go to like the Mud Club or Hurrah or Danceteria? Mud Club, yeah, Mud Club, uh, Tramps. Do you remember Tramps? Um, the oh, Palladium. Yeah. Oh, the Palladium. There, there used to be so many. Yeah, yeah. And the building for the Palladium is still there, but it's, I, I don't, it's not a club anymore. I um, went to Studio 54 a few times, did you? No. Oh, my no. God. That was, it was wild. I worked with, I, 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 I worked, I, I worked in, you know, where I learned to cuss, I worked in retail, I worked in fashion and, uh, you know, high end. And I, I worked with all these people, these men, you know, um, young, you know, really beautiful young men who would go to, to uh, 
Studio 54. And, you know, I would hear these sort of, they would come in the next day with these horrific stories about, yeah, you know, seven of us got in, but the eighth person had to, you know, they wouldn't let that person in. So we, we left that person. And I was just, it, it just, I don't know, it scared me. Now that I, I don't want to be the stuff is weird. Well, they would, they would do, like, they would break up parties like that. They would humiliate one person. Um, I, I didn't, I don't know. I, I, I didn't want to be that person. I didn't, I didn't want to, I didn't want to be the person who got in and, you know, had to, you know, I saw all these people making the choice to abandon someone just to get in. And I, I just, you know, I didn't, I didn't want to be involved in, you know, that bothered me. Oh yeah, no, that would have bothered me too. I think that the when on the times that I went, it was like in a station wagon full of kids from Brooklyn and the Lower East Side, like yes. signs that I knew from CBGBs. We would just drive up there, like once we went for a blondie party, and we just yeah. all got right in yeah. anyway, probably because we all looked like you know fetuses wearing like really weird <laughs> cool clothes. Um, yeah. Like I never thought, I knew that they wouldn't let some people in on purpose, but I never saw this stuff getting split up. But also I might've, may or may not have been on acid at the times. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they, they would kind of come in, people would come in and brag, you know, they would brag uh, who got in, who didn't. And it, it was, it was, I don't know. I was, I was an empathic person and it bothered me. Also, yeah. I thought I was going to be the one who wasn't going to get in. So. <laughs> so it really bothered you. I didn't want to be left out, you know, left out in the street with everyone else inside. Do you play music during rituals? I play music all the time. And um, yeah, I play during rituals. And I have like in, in my spell books, I recommend songs. I play, you know, I play songs during, yeah, you know, you know, if, you know, stay, you know, Lorraine Ellison, stay with me, baby, if you, you know, for, for the spell where you want someone to stay or, you know, Billy Holiday, lover man, for yeah. the, you know, you know, where, you know, where, where can you be? So I, I have, I have songs that I associate with different sort of spell topics. It works for me. I, you know, I don't know if it works for everyone. I always tell people that, you know, you have to, you have to amp up your energy because if you're going to do this kind of work, if you're doing spell casting or if, you know, any kind of work where you're of service to other people, whether it's, you know, especially now, um, all the caregivers, all the healthcare people, you know, and all the fear in the air, you know, our, our magical energy, you know, we lose it. It's like a gas tank and, you know, you're driving and, and you know, you don't want to be driving on fumes. So you have to think about what what energizes you. And for me, it's always music. And often, like, you know, when I am, you know, I've got Twitter on my phone. When I'm, when I'm posting those songs, it's often because that's what I've been listening to at that moment. And I just, you know, I, I'm, just, I'm just sharing the love, essentially. But um, because I can feel it. There are songs that if I'm agitated will call me. There are songs where... Um, I'm tired, but hey, I have to do something so it'll pick me up. And it, it's very apparent to me. And I, it may not be for other people. Uh, you know, that may be a generational thing. I see that, you know, people, who, you know, younger people, I think a lot of them are much more visual. And so it, it could be, it could be a visual thing, but to feel it, to feel what lifts you up or calms you or, you know, 
you know, to, to, to almost like, uh, it's at the automatic, remember, like you're, you're ordering up, yeah. um, you're ordering up the mood that you need or the energy that you need. And, and for me that I do it with music. Yeah. Music is, it's that, that's always been one of my, um, yeah. Things for, for magic or for, or for mood altering or anything. And then, and then, you know, when I started dancing, if I heard a song and I got goosebumps, I would, uh, I would have one of those an, uh, annoying, maybe to some people, Pisces traits where I, I, I cannot play it enough. Like there was a period. Oh yeah, no, me too. Over and over uh, and over. Like, and, and like people would just like start to walk near my house, you know, and then text me, are you playing the Israelites, the Desmond Decker song? <laughs> Desmond Decker. That was, on, that was on repeat for like two weeks, 24 <laughs> Yeah, yeah, definitely. One of my earliest memories, um, you know, we had we were in an apartment in Queens and my parents had a clock radio and I found, you know, you know, it's like the Velvet Underground song, Rock and Roll, where, mm -hmm. you know, Janie turns on the radio and it saved her life. That, I mean, that's me. That, yeah. that, you know, it was that rock and roll station that, 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 that could be, you know, that's my, you know, that's like my song because that, that literally could be, you know, autobiographical about me. Yeah. Radio was so important to people yeah. that are our age or our age-ish. I'm not, I'm yeah. not sure how old you are. I'm 62. I'm 61. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Radio was hugely important, yeah. and also, it's got like a, it's got a I different sound. You were younger than me. <laughs> huh? I thought you were younger than me. <laughs> no. So I'm sending you all these songs, but I don't know. Maybe these are too boring because I thought they were too old for you. Yeah, was, <laughs> <laughs> that's 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 exactly all of that. I love I love like also like um. This is gonna sound batshit, but I'll hear some songs like really old songs like 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 smokestack lightning by yes. helen wolf or something oh my favorite yeah and i will just listen to that and 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 i mean like i was like there had to have been like a whole bunch of like reworking going on like around him constantly oh, or yeah like yeah. you know or because just some of the i mean i don't even know some of those songs like i can't tell even if it's my own fantasies or if it's like really like like how well, we're talking so deep. that's one of my earliest memories is you know I, you know i i i, I was i was supervised it started you know i was supervised there were adults in the house i wasn't you know but they were preoccupied and as long as i wasn't getting into trouble i was pretty much free to do within the house, whatever, from a very, very young age. And so, I mean, I early memories are of like playing with the dials on the radio and it must've been a night I heard, well, I didn't know what I heard first, but it was Howlin' Wolf. Wow. I heard the Howlin'. And I mean, I must've been maybe four or five years old. And, um, and I know because the DJ came, you know, it must've been at the end of the dial or something, or, you know, some sort of a college station or something because this is, you know, 64, 65, who was playing Howlin' Wolf in New York City. But um, they said it's Howlin' Wolf. But I was like four or five. I really, I envisioned like, you know, a wolf man. And yeah. I, I remember that was so profound. You know, you didn't ask me the first record I ever bought. 
Oh yeah, well, I didn't. I didn't actually buy it because I was very little and I didn't have any money. But I persuaded my 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 parents to buy me um, the single of Sam the Sham and the Pharaohs, Little Red Riding Hood. Oh no way! <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you yeah. got a total like wolf thing going on. Oh yeah, you know, and I I still I love wolves and I. I write about wolves, but I think it comes from that. I think it comes from those human wolves. That is like deep-seated childhood memories. Maybe you were, maybe had something, maybe you had a pack of wolves in a previous life. Maybe where, I was or, the wolf. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, who knows? Wait, that's 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 crazy that I mentioned Helen Wolf then. That's no, there, he is. He's my favorite. You know, I always think. You know, I'm always posting this stuff on Twitter. I think, you know, shit. You know, all these twenty year olds are watching me post like this. You know, music that's older than me. But you know, it's it's you. You cannot have too much Helen Wolf. No, there's there's no way. It's just it's so yeah. it's so magical. Just so much of that old stuff is just like because you know what? Also, I feel like it's got a different, it's got a completely different sound quality because yeah, I know I'm going to sound like a senior citizen, but fuck it. Like you know, everything is like so auto tuned now today. And when you listen to the old records, especially if you're listening on vinyl, it's got yeah. a totally different sound. And not just because I'm old or you know no. because it was live and it was yeah it was not even anywhere near the kind of marketing and and um packaging stuff for for, for an artist's persona so they were just like doing whatever they felt yeah. like or were called to yeah. do and that that yeah. is like like ridiculous it wasn't that. branding yeah 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 like they didn't, it didn't, and it didn't have to like sell a certain amount of records. If it did, it was great. If it didn't, you know, like there wasn't that the industry was not anywhere close to what it's been. So it's just well, there's no expectation of making the kind of money. I mean, you know, I mean, we see this in publishing now. Also, all these, I, I don't know, you know, movies. Like, you know, they're all. I mean, th I mean, they're not making movies for me. They're, you know they're making these big blockbusters that you don't have to understand english for there's no you can just take them around the world because anybody can you know these action figures where action films where you can just you know yeah, you can get them them yeah my favorite thing on a trip to egypt going back to egypt was i was on egypt air and i was the only woman on the flight as it took off that wasn't veiled but um they were showing that the Twilight vampire films, and, and they were all dubbed in Arabic. <laughs> and, and and all the women were like really, really into it, you know, and the kids and stuff. But I was like, they're showing like supernatural vampire films. But but you know, like all these really religious people are watching it, and and I'm just watching it because it's exciting to hear them, you know, see them like doing vampire shit and turning into werewolves, but, but speaking Arabic. <laughs> <laughs> All I watched in 2020 though, you know, the only TV I watched was like, uh, you know, I, I, I found all this Chinese TV on Netflix that I have to like watch with subtitles. And that's uh -huh. literally, so, you know, all I watched last year. I got so busy in 2020 that, you know, in the, in 
in March. I watched Tiger King. Like I, I just yeah. stayed up and watched every episode. But after yeah. that, I, I fell off the, I still don't, I don't watch TV and I don't really, re, lately, this has been bothering me. I don't read books, but it's not because I don't want to. I have tons of them and I want to read them, but I've just been so busy. It's a, a, at one point I yelled out loud to nobody but my cats, who the fuck am I? Because I haven't read a book in months. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it, it's like that acceleration of time and it just, it just sort of sweeps you away with it. This year is so fast. Yeah. Even, yeah. even not even compared to last August? year, it's just going so fast. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. I wonder if it's because it's a five year. I don't know. I can't figure it out, but it's just like it's weird. I turn on things in subtitles at like three in the morning because it comes because I have to focus. And sometimes sometimes English subtitles and sometimes sometimes I watch them Hungarian subtitles, which you know. Um, Do you read I, uh, It was my first language. Oh, I, I didn't realize but, it was your first language. But it was, but but I mean, I, I well, because I was born in the U.S., but my parents had just come from Hungary, and my sister, and um, but I mean, I, I have the vocabulary of a five-year-old or a six-year-old, so like I miss half of what's on there. But I thought, you know, it it, it sort of it, it it brings my energy down because you, you you know you work so much, you get very you're wired. Yeah. Yeah. I'm wired all the time. Yeah. Um, work or from coffee or vote. <laughs> yeah. No, me, it's tea all day. Yeah. And so, to the point yeah. of like, there should be coffee anonymous for me. It's medicinal doses. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's exactly. Like, it's not a good cup of coffee unless I can feel the enamel coming off my tea. <laughs> What else should we talk about? Like we've got, we still have a little bit of time. I could just go on and on talking about stuff. Have you ever taken drugs? Not really. Uh, not really drugs. I, I drink minimally. I, you know, you know, work is my drug of choice. <laughs> I know. Me I'm too. always the. Uh, somehow, I'm always the designated driver. I'm always the. Somehow in this lifetime, I'm always the responsible one in the room. That's just, you know, maybe the next lifetime, I get to let other people be responsible for me. I've been pretty responsible, but um, you know what happens to me sometimes, is, this is gonna sound insane, but like there's so many homeless people in Los Angeles right now, it's, yeah. it's beyond out of control, you know, yeah. like, but, um, when it before it became the norm here, I would see people like standing in the gutter, like like having schizophrenic attacks or being on you know some insane cocktail of drugs, doing things or you know that looked like interpretive dancing or something. And I'm not saying this in a funny like in a funny way, you know, because no. it was tragic to watch. But I'd be watching it going, "Wow, that person!" You know, before it became regular you know when you just see it every so often and then in the next second after that i would get a really jealous flash <laughs> i'd be like wow i tried to get that out of it for 25 years <laughs> straight but i could still i could still straighten up if i saw a cop or someone that let the fizzle come and, and then i would just start watching it like it was a a movie because it was it was just so crazy it's it's yeah. so weird here like i can't even if you haven't been back here lately no, but people tell me, people tell me, and um, 
you know, and my my kids were born in Santa Monica at St. John's, and um, you know there there were always a lot of people there, yeah. always. But I, I'm told it's it's unbelievable now. It's 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 incredible. I mean, you can you not, can drive for miles on like Sunset or somewhere, yeah, uh, and it's just it looks like it would be a grapes of wrath kind of tent city mixed yeah. in with the Road Warrior, but also with the Walking Dead. It's 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 surreal how how bad it is. Like, for, I like, always thought I would go back, you know, but I mean, the fires scare me. Going oh back. yeah. The fires scare me. Um, I, I still, I, I read for people out in LA. You know, yeah. that's um, that's probably the only, well, I lived in Hoboken for a little bit before I moved to LA. I lived in Hoboken, New Jersey. And that's when I started in 1988. I, st- I, I lost my job. And um, to this day, I don't know whether I quit or was fired. It was, it was a, a thing. And that's when I started reading professionally. And um, people would come to the house. And also when I lived in North Hollywood, I had people coming, you know, I, I had a room set up to read in. And, you know, ever since then I'm, I've read on the phone, but somehow I keep reading for people on the West Coast. You know, so this is like, I live on West Coast time. Even, even though I'm on, I've been on the East Coast for, you know, a, a very long time now. Yeah. Time. Yeah, I don't. I don't know what time zone I live in because I'm always awake. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, me too. Me too, me too. Why don't you, can you give someone, um, or not someone, anyone that's listening some kind of a um, a good advice or like a little spell that they can do to, or that's something that you use to like make, um, either to calm yourself down or to... Uh, you know, like get, get some good vibes going. With I'll tell them. you what I do twice a day. Um, it's a little ritual. It was um, I, when I was working at that agency, I, at the travel, that little travel agency. I mean, that's a whole story, but um, it, it became kind of a scary place, you know, where, you know, was I, you know, did she jump or was she pushed? Did she quit or was she fired? Um, it, it was, it was a scary, scary place. Um, you know, if, the guy who owned it was like a New York realtor. If you know, and if you think about some other New York realtors, that'll tell you, like, yeah, uh, you know. But um, I had met. I I was thinking at that point that I read cards and maybe that's what I should do instead. I didn't want to go above 14th Street because the city scared me, and um, I met a, a person and she taught me the invocation of Michael Archangel. And she told me to do it whenever you're frightened because it's a protection spell and it will calm you down because you, you know, you're essentially giving your protection over to Michael. And I, I have since, so that's since 1988, I have said it every day, at least twice a day, morning and evening. Every time I posted in my Facebook, it, you know, people ask me to post it again and, you know, it, it is in the new book and it's, um, so in, envision yourself, just be still for a minute. And you say, you, you don't need anything but, you know, your words in your mind. And you want to try to visualize this. Michael to the right of me, Michael to the left of me, Michael before me, Michael behind me, Michael above me, Michael below me, Michael within me, Michael all around me. Michael, 
with your flaming sword of cobalt blue, please protect me. And then you can, you know, protect me today, protect me tonight, protect, you know, my loved ones, protect my cat, protect, you know, who, whoever it is that you need protecting. You know, I think it is like putting um, oxygen mask first, though. You should always ask for your own protection first. And when you do it, I literally, I, I, I feel him around me. I don't encourage people letting spirits of any kind in. Michael is the exception. And I, you know, Michael is, is a fiery angel and I feel, I feel that heat. And um, what I do is I envision a cobalt blue bubble, sort of like in the Wizard of Oz in the MGM musical, yeah. Linda with a pink bubble. Yeah. I envision myself inside that cobalt blue blue bubble because you're in the bubble you know so michael has created this bubble and it's like bulletproof and evil eye proof and you know coronavirus proof and whatever it is that you're you know it you know you can see out they can't see in and i hold myself in there and you know you can hold a cat in there you can hold a dog in there your children you know your lover who, who lovers wh whoever it is that you need from that bubble with you that bubble can be any size just um Make sure it goes under your feet and over your head. It has to be all the way. So look down at your feet and make sure you're standing on the bubble because it's easy to sort of, you know, leave, you know, it's like, it's like the, the magic circle where you've accidentally left a hole. Um, so yeah. you, you want to, you want to have it. It's, it's like a 3D totally surrounding magic circle. And it, it, that saved me, you know, that saved me from a lot of panic attacks that 4 a.m., you know, darkness of the soul, you wake up and, you know, um, if you don't know what to do, breathe. Breathing exercises are good. And put yourself in that bubble of protection. If you have fiery wall, fiery, I can't even talk that, fiery oil, fiery wall of protection. Wall of protection, yeah. Fiery wall of protection, which which is like one of my favorite oils. And that was my says, signature scent all through 2020. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. But I was associate that with Michael Archangel and the Fire Angels. So um, you know, you you can incorporate that too if you know if you've got that. But you can just do the bubble with your mind. That's so good. That's really good. I love Michael. I once had a dream. Um, this was when I was really, really little. This it was so real to me. This place looked like the um the Colosseum in Rome or some big like curved brick building yeah. and you know how you were just talking about the the girl where the brick hit her a little while ago this is weird because there was bricks that were flaming raining down and then there was a bunch of like giant stone angels on the top of it and all of a sudden there was this huge rumbling and one like broke off from the from the stone structure and its wings were on fire and it flew down and grabbed me in its hands and just like lifted me up. This was when I was about four or five. And and I always want to like, I see that picture in, in my head constantly. Yeah. So I don't know where that came from. Like, I don't know if that, I don't know if it was something I had seen on TV because I was always unsupervised as a or kid. Or a past life. That's like a past yeah. life. Yeah. Or visionary, sister visionary. That's incredible. Yeah. Yeah, that was wild. But yeah, fire angels. 
Anyway, I think it's time to say goodbye. And I'm so sad. We should do this again. We'll do it again. Okay. So you Thank guys, you. that was the amazing Judica Illis and, um, get her books, get daily magic, because if you're losing track of time, the way we are, you, you need <laughs> it in your life. <laughs> okay. So, um, You've been listening to The Devil's Music. Please tune in whenever you want for conversations that are lively, enlightening, usually full of cussing, usually full of insane stories and magic. And next I will time. catch you <laughs> next time. Music is written and hosted by Pleasant Gaiman. Produced by Aaron Alden. All sound design by Jerry Danielson of Busy Signal Studios. And of course, is part of the Pantheon Podcast Network. Find all of our shows at PantheonPodcasts.com. Our social presence is at Pantheon Podcasts on Facebook and Instagram. Tweet us at Pantheon Pods. All songs can be found wherever you get great music. Please pick up these important and fantastic tracks. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. 
That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 